Well, it's great to be here again this week to think, what does it mean for us to be all in? What does it mean for me to be all in to this church family? How am I committed to the vision we believe God's got for this church? It's exciting, it's courageous, it's amazing, but what does it mean for me? What does it mean for all of us this morning? I want to start by asking, who do you want to be? Who is it that you want to be? Who is it that we want to be? How do you want to be described? What attributes do we want? What characteristics do we want? Who is it that we feel we're meant to be individually and also as a church? Who are we called to be? A few weeks ago, I was chatting to Hilary Ingram-Smith. Hilary, give us a wave. Total legend. Yeah, she's got a bit of a fan base. And her and Carol Clegg. Is Carol here this morning? Oh, dear. That's noted. Oh, she is there. No, it's okay. <laughs> of course she is. She's always here. Hillary and Carol were chatting, and Hillary came to me on Sunday morning and said to me, Andy, Carol and I were talking yesterday about you. And I was thinking, well, okay, interesting topic of conversation. And she said, we were just talking about how amazing you were, how incredible you were. Just, it, we were just blown away by just how great you were, just couldn't run out of superlatives and to describe you. And I was standing there thinking, wow, you know, this is feeding my ego, this is feeding my confidence nicely. I was feeling really good about this. And I thought, you know, what is it that they see in me? Is it, is it my dress sense, perhaps? Is it that what they're seeing? Is it my banter and my jokes? I thought, that's a good chance it could be that. Is it my oversized Roman nose, perhaps? I don't, what, what, what could it be? Is it my cinnamon tan? I was just unsure what, what it was they, they saw in me. And I said, okay, Hillary, you know, what was it you saw in me? Why did you think I was just so great? And she said, we just thought, you, want, you need to know, it's because of your choice of wife. <laughs> it's not actually that funny. It's actually quite hurtful. Okay, let's just get it out here now. Who thinks Adele is better than me? Hands up. Okay. If only Brexit was that straightforward. <laughs> I know I'm punching well up on my way. But who is it that we want to be? Who is it we want to be described as? Who is it as a church we want to look like and act like and be like? I read a great, a great quote. That was quite Jonathan Ross. I read a great quote recently saying, stop asking where do you want to be in five years? but instead start asking, who do you want to be in five years? Stop asking where you want to get to in five years, but start asking, who do you want to be? And I think the challenge for us, particularly in this church in transition, where we're not exactly sure where we're going or what the future looks like, is to say, this is who we want to be. And I'm not talking to a person next to you. I'm not saying, that person is the church. What are they going to be like? I'm talking to any of us who commit to being all in members. Who are we going to be? How are we going to be described? Who is it God is calling us into? And I wonder, I wonder if we take care of the who, he will take care of the way, the where. I wonder if we take care of who we want to be like, he'll begin to show and open up the where. Who do we want to be? Across the UK, the church is at times known for its judgment, its condemnation, its division, it's not always well received, but who as a church does central want to be? How do we want to be described? And equally, in this time that's divisive, we talked about this earlier, with things like Brexit, with different things going on where we're lacking trust in authority and leadership, who is it we want to be for such a time as this? 
Who is it we believe God is calling us into for such a season in the life of this nation today? Who do we think we're meant to be? God will take care of where, but who in this time today, 2019, who do we feel God is calling us to be? Who am I meant to be? I want to read from Ephesians 3, from verse 14. It's a very well-known passage if you've been around church for a while. It'll be on the screen. But Ephesians 3, from verse 14. And this is poetic language. It's kind of just overwhelming with just extravagant wording. And Paul is just desperate to get his prayer across. This is Paul's prayer. So let me read it to us this morning. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all of the Lord's people to grasp how wide and how long and how high is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So Paul starts this by saying, for this reason I'm on my knees praying. He's been describing earlier the extravagant grace, the incredible love, the amazing God that we worship. He's saying, but for this reason, I'm on my knees praying. And he's praying that his readers would know God's incredible love, the incredible gift of grace, the incredible relationship it is with Jesus. And he's praying that the readers would understand that, that they would begin to grasp that. Are you praying that this church would be known for its love of Jesus? Are you praying that the people around you would know God in a deeper and more profound way? Are you praying that you personally would know God far more than you've ever known? Not getting lukewarm, not getting a lack of passion, but saying, I want more zeal, more fire in my belly, more heart for Jesus than ever I've had in my previous life. I want to know Jesus more today than I've ever known before. Are you on your knees praying that we would know this incredible love? That's what Paul's doing here. He's desperately praying on his knees that that readers would know this incredible gift of love. Today when we think about all in, the vision is simple. The vision is Jesus. The vision, the desire is that we would know Jesus more. The hope, the prayer is that we would connect well with Jesus. He's the one who's going to direct us. He's the one that's going to envision us. He's going to empower us. The desire is we know Jesus. There was a tangible sense of God moving today, and it's because this church is all about him, for him, and with him. It's nothing to do with any of us. We are strongest when we are all about him and glorifying him. The vision is Jim. Jesus, do you know this God? Do you know him deeply yourself? It's easy, isn't it, to get lukewarm. It's easy to lose that passion, that fire in our bellies. But do you know Jesus more than you did yesterday? Do you love him more than you've ever known him? You see, I can't make you love Jesus. You can't make me love Jesus. It's between you and him. Do you really love Jesus? Do you really understand the incredible gift he is to us? The incredible gift of grace, the incredible gift of love. That he would come down from heaven to earth and want a relationship with me. That he would love you more than anything else on this planet. He wants a relationship with you. He loves you dearly. Adele and I 
are into matchmaking. You know that kind of thing where you get to later in the church and you feel that you've got this obligation to sort of matchmake younger individuals in the church. It's with a best interest, okay, so understand that, but you feel that you're obliged to help sort of younger individuals get to know one another. We've got a 0% success rate. <laughs> if you see us trying to hook you up with someone, run, okay? It's hugely unsuccessful. There was one situation where we saw these two individuals who had similar lines of work, and they were great people, and we thought, okay, if we arrange a Skype call for them, then perhaps they would start to get to know each other. Total disaster. They're having a, a work call, and very awkward, no connection. They were very obviously aware that we were trying to set them up. Very strange. Never do that again. But here's the thing. I can say to you, I can say, you should meet her. She's beautiful. She's amazing. Go meet her. I can say to you, but he's so funny. He's just an amazing guy. Go and have a relationship with him. But I can't force you into a relationship with him. I can't help you do that. You need to do this yourself. I need to love God myself. I need to have a relationship with God myself. Do you know this incredible love? Do you know how much he loves you? This passage talks about the width and the depth and the height and the vastness of his love. It's so wide that the invitation is for all of us. It's so deep that he came from heaven to earth wanting a relationship with you. It's length is from eternity to eternity. It goes on forever. It's so powerful. It's so amazing. It's so overwhelming. He wants this loving relationship with you. Do you know this God? And he talks in this passage about the relationship with us that affects our minds. It says you can begin to grasp it. You can begin to understand it. It can affect our intellect. It can affect our wills. It says that the power is working in us. It can affect how we live and how we allow our lives to be shaped. It can affect our everyday attitude and relationship with Jesus. But most importantly, it can affect our heart, this passage says. It affects our heart. And so easily our hearts can become hard. So easily we can get lukewarm. We can have this mediocre everyday relationship with Jesus. We can forget that first love. What does it mean for us to deepen that relationship, to remind ourselves of why we first fell in love with Jesus? We need to be known as a people who really love Jesus. And in this passage, it says that we need to do it alongside one another. We do this in community. You can't be a Christian on your own. Give it a go, it's impossible. We're made for community. We have this love amongst ourselves in community as family. That's why one of our values is to be family. Jesus' last prayer in John 17, he could have prayed for anything. And what he prays for is that God's people would be in unity. I wonder if it breaks Jesus' heart that now across the world there's 33,000 denominations of Protestants. Protestants. I can't say that. There's 33,000 Protestant denominations. I wonder if that breaks Jesus' heart. And he says in that passage that you are to love one another. You are to be in relationship with one another, like the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit love one another. We want to be family and community. And this passage goes on to say that if you have that love in your family, if you love like the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit love one another, people will see that and come to know Jesus. You see, we so often talk about mission and evangelism, and it's absolutely right that we share our faith. It's absolutely right that we tell others about Jesus. But if we're just doing that, we're fighting with one hand. 
This passage makes it clear that when we are in unity, when we are together knowing God's love, people encounter him, people come to know him. Do we know this love? Is that how people describe our church family? Is that how people describe us? You see, the gospel is so simple, isn't it? It's love God with all your heart and love one another as he has loved us. Is that who we are? Is that how we would be described from people outside the church? Is that how your neighbors, your colleagues, your friends at work would describe you? Surely our desire, our dream is that we would love God more than we've ever loved him, that we would love one another as he has loved us. You see, this passage that we've read talks about who we are to be. We're to be defined by our love. But then it goes on to say that he will take care of the where. It talks about the immeasurably more. It talks about the fact that he's always got more for us. God isn't a play it safe, vanilla, lukewarm God. He's not a just shut up shop and be sensible and don't worry about anything else, just hold fire. He's always a God of more. He's always a God of faith. He's always a God of dreams. He's always a God of expectation. He's always a God of more. He's got big things. He's got big expectations. He's got huge plans for his church. But it starts with us loving one another. It starts with us saying it's all about him. It's all for him. It's all through him. It's with him. God wants to birth new dreams. He wants to give us new faith. He wants us to expect more in him. He's always a God of immeasurably more. I had a picture a few weeks ago of a raft, a whitewater raft, and I really felt for us as a church this was significant. And if you're new to this kind of thing, it's a picture, it's what we sense that God might be saying to us. And of course, as you always would weigh it up, it's not scripture, it's just a, a potential helpful picture that helps us understand what God's calling us into. And what I felt very clearly for us as a church is that this raft was going from still water onto deeper water. And what do we know about whitewater rafting? It's fun. It's an adventure. It takes courage. It's exciting. It's exhilarating. It's an adrenaline high. It's exciting going forward. I think God's got great plans for us. But what's absolutely key in whitewater rafting is that you stick together. You do it together. God wants this journey of excitement and anticipation and faith-filled to be one that stands together. And I was also reminded as I was praying for this about a situation a few years ago where I was praying for churches across the nation and had a really clear picture of the Thames. And at that moment, I was walking in a place called Kemble. And the reason I tell you that is because it's known as the source of the Thames. And there you can literally step over the stream. You can step over it. And you all know all too well that as you go on in the river, London, the city of 10 million people, was built. Parliament, the royal family, millions of lives, enterprises, churches, all sorts of things built on the city. But it starts at the source. It starts at a tiny place where you can step over. God's got amazing plans for us, I'm sure to plant churches, to see communities impact every sphere of society, to engage with politics, to engage with education, to engage with different spheres of our society and show God's love in every vicinity of this city. But it starts at the source. It is together, sticking together on this raft. It starts with him. 
He wants us to engage in justice. He wants us to help the homeless. He wants us to be saddened and angry and to fight for those who don't have a home or have regular food on the table. He wants us as individuals to be impacting our workplaces, to be impacting different parts of this city. He wants us as communities to be engaging with different people groups right across this city. But it starts with him at the source. and It starts with us being a tight band of brothers together. I mean, let's be honest, to say that we want to love Edinburgh is completely outrageous, right? It's a huge dream. But I believe we're worshipping a God of immeasurably more. A God who has faith and who wants us to do the impossible because of his power working in us. A few weeks ago, I was in Glasgow and I received a text from Adele, my wife. I've referred to her quite a lot and... I don't know why I've told you that, but I have. <laughs> she texts me, just so you know, we text each other at times. And she texts me saying that there was this newspaper article that I needed to read. And it was about a lad who often plays with my son Jensen and really good friends of our next door neighbour. And there's a little group of them that play together. And I'm not someone to cry easily. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, but it brought a tear to my eye because this child had been horrendously beaten up and tortured and had gone through a really gruelling few hours. It was horrendous what happened to this boy. I won't go to detail. It wouldn't be fair on you. I remember reading it thinking, that's outrageous. I was so angry. And I said to Adele, I said, you know, I need to come back. I need to check your case. She said, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. And then I thought, okay, we need to move house. We can't do this. This is too dangerous. This is too tricky for our family. This is too difficult. And then after prayer and reflection, I realized that that's the very reason we're meant to be there. You see, because loving Edinburgh Being family, being in relationship, caring for those outside of these church walls is always sacrificial. It always costs. To love one another really costs. To be family, to forgive one another, to work with one another despite all our insecurities and issues and mess-ups is costly. It's hard. But that's who we're called to be. We've talked this morning, from, we've heard from Glenda and Zach about some of the things we're hoping you'll do. It's, it's hard, it's sacrificial, it's, it's costly. But anything worth fighting for, anything worth investing for is costly. You can't outgive God. To love this city, to love one another, to really love Jesus is the best way. But imagine in five years' time, ten years' time, if we really grasp this. As we, we said, we're not sure exactly what God's calling us into. We're not exactly sure of the next five, ten year plan. But it's an exciting place to be. But imagine if we really knew Jesus on a whole new level. If we were on our knees praying that this city would know him on a deeper level. That we could say that I'm more on fire for God than I've ever been. That my tepid lukewarm faith is no more. I just want to spend time in intimate relationship with Jesus. But I want the people in this room, the people in my community to know how much I love them. I want to do life with them, no matter what the cost, no matter what the sacrifice. Imagine this city if we really believe that he was here for immeasurably more. I wonder if we focus on the who, he'll begin to open up the where. I've observed something in the last few weeks or months and you can take this a pinch of salt, but for some crazy reason... God seems to work where there's family relationship. Understand that he can do what he wants, when he wants, with who he wants, how he wants. He's God. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need us. He can do whatever he wants, how he chooses. 
But you see time and time again that where God's people are in loving unity, where there's a strong sense of family, a strong sense of togetherness, for some reason God seems to work powerfully in and through that. Where there's unity, where there's love, where there's togetherness, God so often works in a profoundly deep and powerful way. We want to love this city. We want to be family. We want to follow Jesus like we've never known before. Are you all in? Are you up for that? Are you willing to fight for this? Are you willing to go all in? I want to finish by rereading that passage. And if you're able, I wonder if you'll stand. And I want to read this, and I'm not for a second likening myself to Paul, but I just want to pray this over us. I want to pray that this would be our prayer, that this would be our who we are. For this reason, we kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. We pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen us with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. And we pray that we, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all of the Lord's people to grasp how wide and how long and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love surpasses knowledge, that we may be filled to a measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could dare ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I'm going to pray for us. Why don't you close your eyes? And I'm going to pray for us. And I wonder, in the next song, we're going to have some time for ministry and worship. And there's going to be people to your left in that corner praying. I realize I've asked you to shut your eyes and pointed. But assuming I hadn't. To your left, there's people available to pray. And there's no shame this morning to say, actually, I've become a bit lukewarm. I've become a bit vanilla in my faith. I've become a bit just standoffish. I've, I'm, bit, I'm living on faith that I had five, ten years ago, but today I feel cold. Today I feel my heart is, is hard. There's no shame. You might be a leader in the church. There's no shame. Go for it. Come and receive prayer that you would once again encounter Jesus in a new and fresh and powerful way. I'm just going to pray for us and then we're going to continue into worship. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are so good. We come to you in worship because you're so deserved of our praise. That you came from heaven to earth to have a relationship with me that you love me, that you lived and died and rose again for me, for each person in this room. And I pray we wouldn't feel convicted or pressured or guilted, but I pray we would feel liberated to know you in a whole new, deep and profound way. I pray for so many of us this morning who perhaps just feel distant or feel hard-hearted or feel that you're far away. I pray that they would know you in a deep, and personal and profound way that they would tangibly sense your love this morning Holy Spirit come and we pray for us in the next few years we pray that we would be known 
as a city, as a, sorry, as a church in this city who really, really profoundly love you, who really care and love and serve one another. And ultimately, because of this, we want this city transformed, Lord, because of your power working in us. Holy Spirit, come and have your way, we pray. Amen.